Good evening. Glad to have everyone with us this evening. We have a good crowd. Thank you for all the visitors that are with us this evening. Glad to have you with us. Come again, as we would say. If you want to, I guess we might say, give someone, uh, ask a question and give them, and you get that deer caught in a headlight look, <laughs> is to ask them simply two questions. Why are you here? And do you really matter? We know those two questions are what we call most times the two most personal philosophical questions is ever asked of anybody. Why am I here and do I really matter? And see, we want to focus on that second one, the fact, and ask ourselves, do I really matter? Sometimes we tend to feel like an ad that was put in the country gazette in Franklin, Massachusetts, many years ago. This is what the listing said. Unknown item for sale. We know it is valuable. We just don't know what it is. If you can identify it, we'll sell it to you for $250. <laughs> I think that's the way most people tend to look at themselves at times. I know I'm, I may think I'm valuable. I'm not real sure concerning that. But it is true. We all, we all find ourselves begin to think, do I have any value at all? Am I worth anything? And we realize when we're asking that question, we're not talking monetary. We're not talking what's in the bank. We're talking about ourselves. Are we really worth anything? If you'd ask most people, they too tend to think, yeah, I'm valuable. I'm, you know, they, people think I'm valuable at work or my spouse thinks I'm valuable. And if you ask them if they, you know, have any, uh, any reason for being here, any reason of why they matter, they say, well, I think I know why I'm here and I'm worth anything. Others look at it and say, well, I was born with my choice. <laughs> I'm, uh, I grew up, I'm working, I'm making a living, I hope I can live long enough to retire, then I know I'm going to die. Most people, in essence, then tend to look at their lives basically almost like you do your animal. I was born, I lived, and I died. And along, along the way, somebody a few times patted me on the head. That's basically what they think of themselves. Because most, uh, if we look at people, they look at the past, well, you know, past is past. They have the present and they realize they better live it up while they can in the present because into their mind there is no future. Ask ourselves, are we more than that? And the answer is yes. We are much, much more than that and at the same time we are worth more than we sometimes want to admit that we are. Let's look at something for a moment. When we put a value on something that we have in our possession, whether it's an item that we have bought or if an item that we have made and we want to sell it, what are some things involved in counting the cost of that item? And that's what we want to look at. Number one, we realize there's manufacturing cost. When we put something on a yard sale, on eBay, in the flea market, and we put a price on one of the things we always want to keep in mind, even where it's new or used, is what did it cost to manufacture this thing? We know Jesus talked about that, and he talked about the wisdom of counting the cost or how much something would be, uh, be before you started building it. Listen to him in uh, Matthew, I mean, that is Luke 14. For which you've designed to build a tower. 
does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who sit begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now that's manufacturing cost. That is, what does it cost for me to build something from the ground up, we might say? And further, not only the, and the fact is of how much it costs, that is the raw material, what are their costs when you put them all together, and that is part of the basis of that manufacturer's manufacturing cost. The next thing you want to keep in mind with that is, how much effort did it go into making it? We would think of the standpoint of how much time did it take you to make this item or to create this item. Let me put it this way. When you plant a garden, in that garden, let's say you plant a row of green beans. You plant them, you go through all the problems of weeding them under that hot sun. You harvest them in the fall with an aching back. You break and string them until the thumb is tender to the touch. You go through the process of staying up late canning them. You're going to put more value on them than a can of green beans down here at Food City. The reason why is you know how much time you put in to make those can of green beans. What about us? What about us? How were we made? What was involved in manufacturing us, so to speak? The psalmist said it best from a human standpoint, in Psalms 139. No one could have put it any better than he did. He begins by saying in verse 14, I praise you. Why am I praising you? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Notice what he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Notice here the writer of that psalm begins saying, I praise you to the God of heaven. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's the beginning of the manufacturing cost. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And notice in that reading, I'm reading from the uh, English Standard, the word intricately woven found in that verse is the same word translated embroidered with needlework in Exodus 26.36, which means simply this. God wove together the various systems of our bodies in our mother's womb. That's what it's telling us. That kind of physical description of something any older lady remembers by crocheting or knitting, whatever, we are intricately woven. God intricately woven together various systems of bodies in our mother's womb. And He is right. Though I was being framed in secret inside my mother's womb, He tells us, God knew who I was. He was there all along and He knew me in secret out in open. What is the beauty of this is simply this one thing. We don't see any 
hesitancy on the part of God in our creation, even though He knew ahead of time what it would cost Him to do it. He did not hesitate to create us, even though He knew what was ahead for Him and His Son on Calvary. In other words, He already knew what it was going to cost Him. He went ahead with it anyway. Why? Because our value to Him, our value to Him is far greater than the cost it did to create us and to redeem us with the blood of Jesus Christ. Are we worth anything? Yes, we are. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And our value is greater than what it cost God when He created us. Alright. we got manufacturing cost. Next thing we want to look at, the purchase price. We have to ask ourselves, how much is people willing to pay for this? How much are they willing to pay? In other words, we have, even though we have to figure out a, what we call a purchase price, we gotta be careful that we don't set it too high when we're selling something, or it won't sell. We also know that people are willing to pay more for a used item than what it cost originally. And how do we know that? My favorite thing is watching Meekum and Barrett Jackson off car auctions. People pay hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars for cars that didn't cost nowhere near that when they were made. Why is it? Why is people so willing to pay those kind of prices for a used item? Because to them it has a value. Others don't care. They wouldn't have paid the original cost for one of those cars. Then they're not going to pay that high price for a used one. But it, they paid the price because they wanted it. It means something to them. It means more to us than it would to anyone else and we're willing to pay it. Think for a moment. What is the most valuable thing in your house right now? Think about that for a moment. What is it? Now, my next question is, what did you pay for it? Okay. What would you take for it? I have a funny feeling it would be more than what you paid for it, wouldn't it? Because of the value behind it. And would you be willing to pay whatever it took to get it replaced if it was stolen, lost, or destroyed? Would you be willing to do it? Now, think of it from this standpoint. Is that not what we're thinking about here? That God thought we were worth enough to pay for our salvation with His only begotten Son. That we were that valuable, that that's the purchase price, would be the blood of His only Son. John writing in his first epistle, in chapter 4 verse 9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. What is it, John? That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Paul added that from Ephesians 1 and 7, Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of 
His grace. Since God was willing to pay for each one of us as His children, purchase the church with the blood of His Son, as Paul tells the Ephesian elders, each of us then is valuable. Each of us is valuable if God is willing to do that. In other words, there is no price you can put upon each of us in the eyes of God. Peter wrote about it in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Notice as he says here, God bought us, not with a Fort Knox gold or whatever. No, he didn't buy it with perishable things. He paid for us with the blood of his own son. And in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul calls it the inexpressible gift. In other words, it is a number which cannot be written down. We use the word at times when we're trying to go way out, counting numbers, the word infinity. That don't even come close. Doesn't even come close to what God was willing to pay for us. It is kind of, it is hard, isn't it, to have uh, feelings of self-condemnation when you think for a moment that this is how much we were worth to God after creating us knowing what it would cost Him and willing to purchase us back with the blood of His Son that has value beyond everything on the face of this earth. Alright, we've now looked at manufacturing cost. We've now looked at what we call the purchase price. Another thing that we need to look at when we put a price on item, let's call it the invested cost. How much we would sell something is then again, how much are we invested in it? You maybe you have, or maybe you know someone who has, in the past or even recently, purchased an old house. In the process of buying that old house, they have decided to purchase it because they get it a good price and they're going to spend the money to fix it up. We've all seen the home shows, so you know what we're talking about. They're going to improve the house. They may even add on to it or just gut it and rebuild the whole interior all over again with everything like they want it. When they get through and over a period of time they decide to sell that house, are they going to sell it for the same price they bought it for? No way. They're going to add the invested cost. They're going to add to what that, the price of that house, the increase of value that addition or that renovation did to that house. They're going to add that. They're not going to sell it for what they paid for it. They're going to sell it for what they've got invested in it. They're going to count all of those things up as well before they put a price on it. Again, let me ask ourselves, has God invested in us? Yes, He has. When we look at ourselves as 
God's children, we need to understand and look at it from this standpoint. God invested a lot in us since we've been converted. We all were fixer-uppers. We all need more than just simply a washing. We need a complete makeover. That thing we talked about this morning called repentance and resolving, this involved in that as well. But look at the fact that we need a complete made over and to be made over in what? Into the image of the Son of God. To live as God wants us to live. God still invests in us every single day. Still invest His time and effort with us. Does He not still bless you every day? Yes, He does. Does He not hear you when you cry out? Yes, He does. Does He provide for you when it's necessary? Yes, He does. We could go on and on and on of all the invested costs that God has put into us each day we live on the face of this earth. Paul wrote in Romans eight thirty two. There he said, He freely gives us all things, but he said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Give us all things. Notice there he said, give us all things. He is invested in us because he wanted to. He wanted to. And he does it every single day. You think about this for a moment. It is easier to tell someone else God loves you than it is to say to yourself that God loves me. Think about that. It is easier to tell someone else that than it is to say it to yourself. When we think about it for a moment, all we have to do is look around in our own lives and realize what God has done for each of us tells us emphatically how much we care for about from Him. How much He loves us and how much He cares. Let's look at it from a practical value. Why do we have values, a child of God? The simple answer would be is because we bring glory to the God of heaven. We live our lives on the face of this earth in front of others, the world around us. We live our lives as best we possibly can as God's children. We work every day to make sure we're walking in that pathway that will lead us to glory. And in that respect, we bring glory to God because we become living examples of what His Son did and taught and died for with His precious blood. And from that, we need at times to be reminded that God does value the service that we render. God does value. I have said it many times before, and I still will as long as this world stands. The world does not want a one-talent person. To them, they are useless. But to the God of heaven, if all you could do is write a card that says, I remember you, or the phone call that says, I'm thinking of you, God says, thank you. There's the difference. 
The world says, I don't need you. You're worthless. Well, the God of heaven says, you are worth every penny that I have invested in you. And no matter what little you're able to do, God says, thank you. And the thought of a praising, living servant runs throughout the entire Word of God. And look at the book of Psalms over and over again, whether it's David or someone else. What is filling, what is filling on their pen? The praises to God for what He's done for them. Look at that. Praises from these servants thanking God for what He's done for them. Well, we have a problem every once in a while. That problem is called spiritual nearsightedness. Spiritual nearsightedness says, all of a sudden I can't see very far. All of a sudden I can't look out beyond. I'm kind of stuck right about here. Jeremiah had that same problem. And Jeremiah found the cure when God told him what it was. God told Jeremiah, you need some corrective lenses. You need to see, see yourself like I see you. In the very first chapter of that marvelous book that bears that man's name, beginning with verse 7, he said, The Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand, touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Jeremiah had to kind of be reminded just for a moment when he said, You know, I'm, Lord, you're calling the wrong person. God said, no, I'm calling the right person because I know you better than you know yourself. Jeremiah, you're selling yourself short. (laughs) And what do we find? God knew Jeremiah, didn't he? Because you read the rest of that marvelous book of prophecy. Jeremiah understood God could use him and he followed God and worked for him all the days of his life. That's what God does with us. He takes that feeble efforts. At times we feel like we're not capable of doing anything. He takes those feeble efforts and makes us useful in His kingdom. Makes us to be a part of it. That we're there. That we are needed in whatever capacity it may be. Peter said said it this way, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Notice that. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him means glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We have been created by a purposeful God. We're not here by chance. We're not here by accident. We were created with a God who has a purpose. And every human being that is, obeys the gospel of Christ becomes a child of God, no matter how many talents or how little. The potential for each of us is to do great things in the kingdom of God because God knows us better than we know ourselves.
Jesus said, what is impossible man is possible with God. That's what we need to remember. We could boil it down to this, sounding for a moment a little lame or silly. But to make our point is this. God's crazy about us. <laughs> Just put it straight. God's crazy about us. He loves us to death. In a simple way, we know that because He what? Sends us flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, He'll listen. And this is the one that we all, that I definitely love. He can live anywhere He wants to in this universe because it is His. But He has chosen to live here. Right here. And every child of God, He has chosen to live right here. That's His. That's how much He loves us. We could talk about Bethlehem, and we know what happened on Calvary. The thing we all need to remember is simply this. God loves us more than we can ever understand. The old hymn is right. If the sky was a scroll, every pen, every quill a pen, and the oceans with ink, we could never write all there is about the love of God. He loves us more than we can understand. He wants us to love Him back. And He wants us to love everyone else as He loved us. Do I really matter? Yes, indeed. Every one of us matters to the God of heaven. And the proof of that is simply the purchase price of His Son on Calvary. The seeming, if you're not a child of God, the things are ready. The God of heaven is like the father of the prodigal son parable is standing in the road waiting for you. Wanting for you to obey His gospel. Waiting for you to take hold of that precious blood that His Son shed and have your sins washed away. When you're buried in the water, graves of baptism are raised to walk that new life. Things are ready. Waiting for you to respond. You already know how much God loves you. But see me, if you're a child of God who's strayed from that truth, who's wandered away because let sin take hold of your life and dominate you again, God's still standing road looking for you as well. I want your child to come back home. Here's your opportunity. You know that God loves you. You know what He paid for you. He's wanting you to come back. Ask for forgiveness and those sins will be removed by the same blood of Christ. Think of this as while together we stand and while we sing.